to Psalm 145. Our first scripture reading comes from the Old Testament, Psalm 145, verses 15 to 17. A good reminder for us that God cares for his people. When we are hungry, when we are in need, a heavenly father opens his hands and feeds his children in times of need. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Now turn your Bibles to our text this morning, John chapter 6, beginning from verse 1 to uh, 15. If you are using the church Bible, you will find it on page 1134, page 1134. John 6, verse 1 to 15, the Word of God. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of um, Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover... The feast of the Jews was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, two hundred denaria, words of bread, would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Then the people saw the sign that he had done. They said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Amen. Let's pray. Our most 
gracious and kind God and Father. Lord, as we now come to the preaching and the exposition of your word, we ask you, Lord, to illumine our hearts and our minds to the understanding of your word. Use the proclamation of your word this morning to convert the unconverted and to sanctify your people who are already united with your son, Jesus Christ, by faith. Build up your church through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know how many of you are closely thinking and meditating on the lessons that we have been taking from the Gospel of John so far. As I have been mentioning to you frequently, all the accounts in John's Gospel are very much connected with one another, and one supplements the next one. For example, we finished looking at chapter 5 last Sunday, and how did chapter 5 concluded? Jesus calling his own personal witnesses to, to the stand. We saw Jesus last Sunday calling his own father, John the Baptist, his own works and the scriptures as his own personal witnesses, as if Jesus was standing in the courtroom facing the judge the judges at the time being the Jewish religious leaders who accused and charged Jesus for blasphemy, for making himself God. And we saw him calling upon his own father, upon John the Baptist, upon his own works, and upon the scriptures as his own witnesses. You see, what we are considering this morning is the proof, the evidence of what Jesus claimed in chapter 5. He told the people, listen to my father, listen to John the Baptist, see my own works, and search the scriptures. All these witnesses tell you that I am the Son of God, I am God. And one of his works, is to remember his own works were his own witness. And one of his works was the feeding of this massive number of people around the sea, the sea of Tiberias in Galilee. When Jesus fed this multitude, this crowd, he did that in order to show people in order to manifest his own identity as the second person of Trinity, as God himself, God in the flesh. This miracle is commonly known as the feeding of the 5,000. But if you know the scripture, if you know your Bible, they were more than 5,000. 
they had women and children among them. And many scholars, they agree that their number could be from 15,000 to 20,000. Massive number of people were before Jesus and around Jesus and the disciples. And this miracle was the most public one. The most public miracle that Jesus performed was this miracle. And this miracle was the only miracle that the gospel writers, four of them, recorded for us in the scripture. You remember what I told you about John the Baptist? All the four gospel writers gives us the highlight of John's ministry because he was so extremely important in God's redemptive history. And now this miracle has been mentioned and written by the four gospel writers, by Matthew, by Luke, by Mark, and John. All of them point us to this miracle. They speak to us about this miracle, the feeding of the multitude. This, this miracle uh, shows uh, to us as God's children who Jesus is is here by feeding this multitude Jesus was demonstrating the truth the fact that uh, he he knows our needs as God he knows our needs he's able to meet all our needs as God he is also compassionate toward us and our needs all this proves his deity, him being God. And we see this in our text this morning in two ways. First, we see that in the problem that was identified. In our text this morning, we see Jesus identifying a problem. And then we see also, we see that in the provision that Jesus gives to the people. We see the problem in verse 1 to 9, and then 10 to 15, we see the provision in Christ Jesus. You see, remember, Jesus is God's provision for us, provision for, uh, to meet all our needs in this life, but above all, to give us eternal life as the bread of life. Now, we come to the problem. The problem identified. After, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with the disciples, and he saw this multitude of crowd uh, to come to him. My friends, you will be amazed more amazing this morning with this miracle. The miracle itself is amazing. But you would be more amazed if you only learn when and at what time, at what specific time in Jesus' earthly ministry this miracle was performed. Do you know when? Do you know at what time in Jesus' ministry, 
two things were taking place at the time. The disciples, in the name of Christ and by the power that Jesus gave them, they were casting out demons and they were healing all manners of diseases in Galilee. They were manifesting through their ministry. They were manifesting God's power in the life of many, many sick people. So that was, that was taking place. You, you will find that in Mark chapter 6. And then secondly, John the Baptist, the forerunner for Jesus, was executed. It was at the time that John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod. So these two things were taking place. The disciples were in a good place in their ministry. They not only were seeing what Jesus was doing, the works of Jesus, but they were doing them themselves. And then suddenly, you know, by God's decree, John the Baptist was executed. And the disciples learns about that and they come to Jesus. And they told Jesus about everything that happened. Jesus, we did this and that in your name with the power and the authority that you have given us. But also we are sad to tell you that Herod has, ex has executed your cousin John. I'm sure Jesus was sad. I'm sure Jesus was grieving. And he told his disciples, well, so let us go to a private place. Let us go to the mountain. Have some private privacy. And I want to have a time alone with my father. So let's cross the sea and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So they go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, Bethesda, for privacy, to have a time, a quiet time with uh, the Father. And Jesus saw this crowd crossing, coming around the sea. They even arrived to the place where Jesus came before Jesus and the disciples arrived. And the other gospel writers tells us that it was late and these people were hungry. They were in need of food. In fact, it was his own disciples who came to Jesus and they told him, Master, teacher, it is too late. And these people are too many in number. You should send them away. Let them go to other places in Galilee and find food. They are hungry. We can't manage this problem. We can't help them with their hunger. And it was Jesus who told his disciples, you give them what to eat. Give them what they need. The first thing I want us to learn this morning is this. Jesus being God, he knows every need of yours. Jesus being God, he knows the, the need of his people. He knows the need of his church. 
Whatever our needs are, they are known to Jesus because he's God. Matthew 6, 8. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. That's exactly what's happening now. He saw these people and he saw their need because he's God. In 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter said, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Not only he knows, but he also cares. He had compassion on these people. That's what our text tells us this morning. He saw these people. He saw their need. He cared for them. He had compassion on them. And then he, Jesus moves to the next step, providing the need of these people. But before he does that, he tests his own disciples. Now keep this in mind. There was a need. Jesus knew the need. Jesus was compassionate toward the need of his people. So before he provided their need, before he fed them with little, five loaves and two fish were multiplied. But before he did that, he tested his disciples. He called it the name of Philip. And he said to Philip, what, what can we do now? How we can find food to feed these people. Now, uh, notice carefully here. Uh, first, I want you to see the compassion of Jesus. And what the disciples were lacking was compassion, like their teacher, like their master. The fact that Jesus tested them, the design of this test, were for two reasons. Are they compassionate? Like me. I'm telling them these people are hungry. Is Their heart goes out toward these people. Are they compassionate? They're Christians, they're believers, they're my disciples, but are they compassionate? Let me ask you this, brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. Are you a compassionate Christian? When, when you identify a need in someone's life, do you become compassionate? And then secondly, you see, he's test, testing them if they know who he is. And he calls Philip, and where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Why Philip? Why Philip? And I ask this question pur 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 purpose purposefully, because there are liberal theologians today he will tell you the reason why Jesus um, mentioned Philip's name was Philip was from Bethesda. And Jesus thought that Philip would know the area. And he would, learn to, he would lead them to the places where they will find food. So according to these liberal theologians, Jesus, as God, was relying on Philip for information and for solution. They 
where they are denying the deity of Jesus, you see. That's what they're doing. They're wicked. They teach people to deny the deity of Jesus. The deity of Jesus. That's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was not gathering information. He's God. He knows. In fact, our text tells, tells us he knew what he will do. But why Philip? Well, first of all, he's not only asking Philip because we see Andrew stepping in and interact with Jesus. The question was not only for Philip. It was for all the disciples. Now, the question that we need to ask is why? First, Jesus was asking the disciples, are you compassionate like me? Do you have a heart of a shepherd, a heart of Christ in you to become compassionate toward these people? Number one. Number two, the, the design for the test was this. Jesus was given Philip and the other disciples an opportunity to show Jesus that they have taken all the lessons that, that they have been taking to heart. All the lessons about the signs that Jesus was performing. Jesus was asking Philip, now I'm going to test you. If you are really, you and the others have learned from the signs that I have been doing. If you are really learned that I am indeed the Messiah, I am indeed God. That's what was going on here. Do you really know who I am? Do you really understand why all the signs? Do you understand why I turned the water into wine? Do you understand why and how I healed the son of the noble man from a distance? I being omnipresent. Do you understand that? Have you understood that? The design of the test was, are you compassionate like me? Do you also understand and know who I am? That I am God, God in the flesh. In Luke 6, 36, Jesus said, be merciful, be compassionate, even as your Father is merciful. Be merciful to the need of each, each other, to the need of your brother, toward the need of your sister, as your heavenly Father is compassionate. But also know who I am. John 20, 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs. You see, signs. Why signs? You know, signs always point us to, you know, the right place. You know, when we... Uh, drive on the street we see signs uh, all kinds of signs and for us to arrive to the right place you know we we see the sign we read the information on the sign and then we, we arrive to the right place and why all these signs now jesus did many other signs in the presence of 
the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, these signs are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the reason why, you see, the signs are written in the Gospel of John. No, not, not just for us to become excited, to become excited and always talk about them, but to believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You see, the design of the test was, is Philip and the others will be compassionate toward the people. Would they put, you know, two plus two together and say to Jesus, you are God, why are you asking us? You can feed them. You can do another miracle in the presence of these people and satisfy them with food. But is that what Jesus heard from the disciples? Beloved, sadly, that is not what happened. Notice verse 7 and 8. Philip answered him, 200 denaria? Jesus, seriously? Words of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And then Andrew steps in. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? They had the Son of God. They had God in the flesh with them, showing them all these signs. And they were telling him, There is nothing that can be done. We don't have anything. And even if we have five loaves and two fish, not enough, Jesus. You should send them away. See, that's who we are. They had God with them, and they are thinking human. Philip immediately went to his own calculation. Listen, the people of God. God doesn't calculate the way we calculate. He is God. He knows our needs. He's able to provide and he's compassionate toward our needs. But they failed to understand that. They failed to understand Paul. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches. In glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your needs in his riches in Christ Jesus. Beloved, this is not prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is for more, for abundance. This is for enough. Enough for what we need. In our text it says, He gave them what they wanted. What they wanted at the time. That's what Paul is saying here. The problem was, they still didn't realize who Jesus was. That He was God. The God of Psalm 145, 15 to 17. You remember what I read for you from Psalm 145? 
God opens his hand, the psalmist said, and feed all his people, satisfy his people with their needs. He's the God of Psalm 37, 25 and 26. I have been young, the psalmist said, and now I'm old. You know, as a young man, I have, I have observed God. As an old man now, I know God. I have been young, now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for food. I haven't seen that. What is the psalmist telling us here? God knows our needs. God cares for us. And God is compassionate. The disciples failed in showing Jesus' compassion to the people, having Jesus as God Almighty, Jehovah, Jireh. God will provide. Isn't, isn't uh, what Abraham told Isaac when Isaac, his son, asked him, Father, I see the wood, I see the fire. Where is the animal for the sacrifice? And Abraham said to Isaac, my son, about the sacrifice, God will provide. My God, your God, my son, is Jehovah Jireh. He provides. He's the God of provision. We need to learn this as individual believers, but also as the church of Jesus Christ. When we are in want, when we lack things in the work of God's kingdom, we need to remember this. We should, never, we should never view our insufficiency as God's inability to provide for us. We should never view our own lack, our own want as God's inability to know our needs and meet our needs according to his riches. He's not bound and limited by our calculation. Yes, we should save money. We should manage our resources carefully and in wisdom. But we should never be threatened by insufficiency having God on our side. We should trust our God that we come to the provision, brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, as far as the disciples are concerned, the reaction was, send them away. We, we, we don't have anything. We don't have enough. Jesus told them, have the people sit down. I want them to sit down. And, you know, in our text, you know, our text tells us, you know, the place was full of grasses. And the people had to sit down. Doesn't that remind you, Psalm 23, 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Philip, Andrew, all of you, my disciples, have the people sit down. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to lead them to a green pasture. Notice here, Jesus took what was available, five loaves, you know, barley loaves and two fish, he took them in his two hands 
and he gave thanks to his father. Now notice carefully. The thanksgiving comes before the miracle. Very unusual. He gives thanksgiving to his father. But there was no provision. There was no miracle. Why is Jesus doing that? Well, Jesus is teaching us that we should always trust God. We should always be thankful to God. But also Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Think about that. Is God here saying, every time you pray for a need, I will do it for you. I will give it to you. Now what God is saying here is every time you pray about a need. Remember as far as, far as God is concerned. As far as it depends on me. I am able to do that for you. It will depend on my will. But I have the ability to provide that to you. So when you pray to God about a need, believe that you have received it because you are asking God who is able to provide all your needs according to his riches. He might uh, delay the answer and give you the desire of your hearts after a while. And he might say, no, because it is not his will. You know, I, you know every time I think about this, this young man, whom I ministered one time back home, comes to my mind. A very young man who loved a woman in our congregation. And he proposed it to this woman. She rejected him. He was hopeless. He went into depression. And I tried to minister to this young man. I tried, I tried, I tried to remind him, brother, if this is not the will of God, it is good for you because God's will is perfect. God's will is good and perfect. Don't be depressed. The young man refused to listen to my counsel. One day, it was morning, he calls me and he asks me to meet him in a coffee place we met. And he said to me, Pastor, Pastor, I got the answer. I'm now strong. I know what's going on. And I go like, what's going on? Tell me. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. He was free. He was free from depression because he understood that God's will for him was perfect. Perfect. He's God. He doesn't make any mistake in our life. 
He knows what we need, and he gives us exactly what we need. Sometimes we don't even know what we need. Sometimes we ask for wrong things. And he says, no, 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 this is what you need. I'm God. You're not God. I'm God. I know better than you. I know what exactly you need, and I'm going to give you what you need. The question is, are we going to be thankful when we receive what we need from God? But Jesus gave thanksgiving to his father because Jesus was saying, Father, I know. I know what you are going to, to do. I know you love me. I know you appointed me to be the Messiah. I know what you are going to do with these five barley loaves and two fish. And they were multiplied. And Jesus calls the disciples, now take them to these people. You know, he gave them to the disciples to distribute them to the people to see themselves the miracle that God did. To see that, you know, for the disciples to see that Jesus was indeed God. Now he come and give them. And they see the, the five loaves multiplied. They see the fish multiplied. Put yourself in their shoe. And you are distributing them. And you see these multiplied loaves, multiplied fish. It was, a, it was a miracle because Jesus was God. Jesus was God. In Jeremiah 32, 27, Jeremiah said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? My people, is, is anything too hard for me? God said to the people of Israel, Mary, remember, the angel came to Mary, and he said to Mary, Mary, I know you are virgin. You are virgin, but you will, you will conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. You will give birth to, to a boy. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? Remember what the angel told Mary? Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Absolutely nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. God is the God of impossibility, Mary. It will happen. So the miracle took place. And I noticed with me the reaction of the people. Listen to this carefully. When the people saw, the disciples saw, they got their lesson. I hope they will learn. We'll see next Sunday. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come to the world. They are agreeing with Moses in Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 19. I will raise a prophet from among you. When that prophet comes, you should listen to him. They agree with Moses, but was this from the heart? Were they serious? Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Why did Jesus withdraw? They, they wanted to make him king. Isn't that a good thing? Why did, he, why did he run away? Why did he withdraw from these people? For three reasons, beloved. Keep this in your mind all the time. First, it was not his time yet. To be arrested. Number one. It was not his time yet. Number two. 
it was not up to the people to make him king. It's up to his father. And in Psalm 2, God said, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. You and I, we will not make Jesus king. The Israelites will not make him make Jesus king. We would believe him as a king, believe in him as a king, but it's not up to us to anoint him as a king. His father did that already. He's king. Whether this world likes it or not, whether unbelievers believe in it or not, he's the king. It's not up to them. That's why he withdrew. But thirdly and importantly, he withdrew from them because they didn't come to him to repent and believe in him. Their heart was not true. Let me ask you this this morning, beloved. God the Father has made Jesus the king. He is the king. He's God. He's the Lord. Paul tells us this in Philippians 2, 9-11. And the Father exalted him highly so that every knee should bow down and worship Jesus. So my question to all of you this morning is this. Do you believe in Jesus as God? Do you worship him? Do you serve him as God? Do you also know, beloved, that he knows all your needs even at this very moment? He knows all your needs. Do you know that? Do you also know, as God, he's able to meet all your needs? Do you also know that he's always compassionate toward you and toward your needs? Whatever need you have. But most importantly, he can satisfy your spiritual need and need for salvation. He came to destroy the works of the devil in order to redeem you, in order to rescue from the wrath of his father. He is God's sufficient provision for you. Christ, our provision. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is also God, our Lord and our Savior, who came to the world to meet all our needs, especially our spiritual needs, to give us salvation, to give us life that is eternal. Be with your people this morning to believe in every word that we have heard from your word this morning. To know Jesus as God, to believe in Jesus as God, to trust Jesus as God, to bring all our needs to him by faith and to always be thankful to him as our God because he is able to supply all our needs 
in his riches. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.